Hello and welcome to the Sonic Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Scuttle. Thank you for joining me at www.sonic-cinema.com as well as the Sonic Cinema Podcast YouTube channel. We continue on with the class of 1999 with one of the most controversial films of that year. It's a film that's still polarizing for a lot of reasons, and uh, I'm going to be exploring some of those reasons with a filmmaker who's been on the podcast before. We were uh, talking primarily about his work, but I'm pleased to be joined today to discuss this particular film uh, with by Jacob Belinsky. Jacob, thank you for joining me tonight. Thanks for having me, Brian. It's good to be back. Um, so I, I remember I saw, I saw Fight Club like opening weekend, uh, when it opened in 1999, I, I mm-hmm. not read, uh, the novel that's based off of, but I did really, I, I did really like the film and was fascinating to read online. Cause this was around the time that I started reading more online reviews of, uh, it, it was interesting to read the uh, very polarized uh, responses to the film the critics were having. And uh, it, this, this is a movie that it is one of the, I think it is one of the most significant films from that year. And it's, it's amazing considering just how big this year is as far as significant films i mean and there are films that still very much have a uh life to them and fight club is probably the one with arguably the biggest uh post release life um what was your first experience with the movie oh well i I was i totally agree uh with with that perspective like i think um I maybe am a little biased. Uh, some I've gotten a little bit of flack because people are like, "Really?" But this is actually my favorite film. <laughs> um, I uh, and it's 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 weird that it is, I guess, because like Hot on the Heels is a Bergman film as my number two. But like like I, I I don't know. It's just it's it's there's something about that film that at the time that I saw it, it just it just clicked with me. And I know yeah. It's kind of uh, like a lot of people, I think, could say that because I know it has, uh, you know, like definitely a cult following. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it definitely has, like you said, you know, controversially, it has a, a lot of uh, people that are not the biggest fan of it. But uh, I, I, it just, I don't know, it, it worked for me so well. I saw it, like I, I can tell you, I'm like, it, I remember October fifteenth, nineteen ninety nine. I was in Murray, Kentucky, at Murray State University, and me and a bunch of friends went to the theater to see it. I was obsessed with that trailer because <clears throat> uh, I, I just remember thinking, man, that looks so different and cool. And, you know, I was like, oh, I, I was a big David Fincher fan at that time. I was like, oh, man, yeah, seven in the game. And, you know, yeah, sure. And then uh, and then you know, I was like, oh, Brad Pitt and Edward Norton. And I was like, you know, they, they, everybody was kind of like at a really good point in their career to where I was just like, oh, this, this feels like a really great combination, a collaboration of just amazing talent. And yeah. uh, went and saw it. And I just remember being numb in the theater afterwards. Like, <laughs> what just happened? What did I see? Like, I I, I hadn't had. I mean, I, it definitely, it had like you know films affect me, and like you know, like I had been profoundly affected by several, obviously since then. But th- but there was just something about that experience in the theater where like I felt different afterwards, and I didn't really know why. And uh, it was it was just it was it was everything. It was it was the. It was the the script and the themes and then, you know, of course, you know, Fincher's direction, the cinematography and the performances and just like everything 
Like I, I really have, it's on a short list for me. I don't care who agrees with me or not. Like, like on my short list of what I consider probably perfect films, um, mm. at least for me, where uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, like, I, but the thing is, it tricked me, you know, because it's like I like it's, it. I saw it six times in the theater. I <laughs> and you know, like I, I'm not I'm not advocating for bootlegging at all, but I'm not afraid to admit I'm like I like I downloaded like a like a, a pirated version. I like as as soon as I could, as soon as it was out of theaters because I needed to see it again. And that was in that window where like you had to wait forever for something to come out on VHS to rent. You know, yeah. it wasn't like now yeah. where, you know, it's going to be on Blu-ray in three months and you can buy it. Right. You know, it was like it was. And I was like, I, I need to I need to see it again. And then it got it came back to like the dollar theaters. And so like I went and saw it again in the theater <laughs> and I like it came out on like VHS and the Blu-ray. Uh, sorry, the DVD Blu-ray wasn't a thing then. It wasn't even out. So. I went to, you know, like Blockbuster and rented the VHS and like just kept renting it over and over. When they had a used copy for sale, I bought it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like I just kept watching that. And then eventually the DVD came out and I bought it. And then, you know, like I own I, – I, I watched it again last night for the first time in a while. And I realized I think I own like six or seven copies of it because <laughs> because like anytime they put out like a new cover, I'm just such a fan of it. And I'm like right. there's a new like steelbook or a new cover. So I'm like it's the same damn disc but I'm just going to keep buying it because it's yeah. like – that's my little fight club corner. And I, <laughs> I, I, well, going back to what I was saying, sorry, I'm very excited about this film, but it, it, uh, it tricked me, <clears throat> excuse me. And, uh, several of my friends, because afterwards, I think we completely missed the point of the movie because our <laughs> first instinct afterwards, where we were on such like this, like overloaded adrenaline, masculine, like just film high where we were like, do you want to go get sparring gear and go out to the soccer fields at midnight and beat the crap out of each other? And we were like, yup. So one of my friends had sparring gear and we went out and we fought and beat the living shit out of each other. Like I remember my roommate was peeing blood the next day. I'm not kidding. Oh, it, was, it was, it was, it was, we were stupid. We were freshmen <laughs> in college and we were, but we were just like, it's the same thing as like, you know, I guess if you go see gone in 60 seconds, you're like, I want to drive really fast or something like that. But yeah. it, it was, it was just, we were just pumped up. And it's like, and I went and saw it again, like the next day, a buddy of mine, Actually, uh, and Murray, when, when we were walking into the theater, he was walking out of the screen right before us. And we're like, what do you think? He's like, dude, I, 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 I can't even. And we're like, do you want to go? And he's like, yeah. He turned right back around, bought a ticket and went and saw it again with us. And I was like, oh, man, what, what am I in for here? <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, like, and then, like, the more you see it, the more you start to see the layers is like, you know, it kind of presents as this, uh, like, overly, uh, like, you know, breaking down like the concept of what is masculine and what is not like, you know, but it kind of playing with and deconstructing mm -hmm. stereotypes to where you think that it's just about like, Oh yeah, you know, like brute force beat each other. But it's like, the movie is incredibly anti-violence and it's like, we completely missed the point that it's like, that's not the answer. Like if you walk out right. thinking like we thought the movie tricked you and it was, it, that, that was, that was on us as shitty audience members. That wasn't the movie's <laughs> fault. And then I realized I'm like, Oh my god, this thing is so brilliant! And it, I like I stopped counting. It's like it's one of the few films I was like trying to keep track of, but I stopped counting when I got to my fiftieth viewing. I can't tell you how many times I've seen it, but it still is every time I watch it. It's like one of on a very short list of films that every time I watch it, I still catch something new, no matter how tiny. And I'm just like, holy shit, how did I not catch that before? And it, it, it and the thing is, it has nothing to do with the twist because you know. Come on, at this point, if you haven't seen it, like, uh, spoiler alert, but, like, w once you get to the, once the twist is revealed, you can never have that again. It's yeah. like, you know, it's, yeah. it, it's up there with, like, a, with, like, a seven or a usual suspects or something, or it's like, you know, like, once you get that first viewing and you know 
what the end game is like you know it's you're never going to get that again but there's so many other little moments like when you start to realize wait how did i not catch this before because it's so telegraphed you know and i hadn't i hadn't read the book i went and got the uh, got the novel and read it afterwards um because i was kind of obsessed with it but uh, have you have you read the book since i have not i guess no i have not i've not read the book so yeah it is um it's, I mean, yeah, I guess part of it is probably a little bit my bias with the film, but I, I would claim it among my favorite novels. But the ending, it's funny because uh, Chuck Palahniuk, he even said that uh, he thought uh, Jim Uhl's screenplay improved, uh, like, you know, what Fincher did with the film and, you know, uh, Uhl's did with the script, like, you know, they, their, their story on screen, he's like, that that is greater than the book because the, I'll, I'll be honest. I love the book, but the ending of the book sucks. <laughs> some people, some people like it, but it is, it is not good. And the film works so much better. And I I'd say aside from being a fantastic adaptation, it's on a, a again, a short list of films that I think improve upon the original material, which is rare, but, um, but yeah, no, my, my first experience was, I guess not to be too hyperbolic, but kind of world changing for me. Um, and that was in my very formative years where I hadn't quite realized that I wanted to be a filmmaker. I mean, I was obsessed right. with movies and like, you know, I'd made like a little like student short films, but you know, like I hadn't tried, uh, you know, let's try and do this for real. But like, like I, uh, so obviously it was very influential to me at that time. Um, but yeah, no, it, it just, it hit me. I, I guess to, to, to quote Edward Norton's character, the narrator, what he says to Marla at the end, that film met me at a very strange time in my life yeah. and it worked. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's funny because of the fact that, I mean, hearing, hearing your enthusiasm about the movie, the, the second you saw it and the experience that you had, uh, it, it reminded me when I first saw The Crow, which for a long time was my favorite movie. Mm-hmm. It's still one of my favorite movies of all. Oh, time. it's And it's basically wonderful. one of those movies. It, it's, it's, it's a movie that once you see it, something about your brain just rewires. And it's something it, that experience. And yeah, you can't always put it into words immediately. You have to keep going back and keep going back and keep going back. And mm-hmm. like your experience with Fight Club is very much the same experience I had with The Crow, where it's like, I unfortunately, I saw it on like the last day the discount theater had it. So mm-hmm. I had to wait until it came out in video. Yeah. To, and wasn't that yeah. just grueling back then? That, that way where you're just like, I want to see yeah. it again. It was terrible. Oh God, like, yes. like every, like modern, <laughs> modern audiences and especially like, you know, kids growing up, like, you know, with how entertainment is consumed nowadays. So I'm sorry for cutting you off, but no, like, that's, that's, that's just such a, that's such an interesting thing to me. Like, you know, they're so spoiled. It's like, you don't know. I remember you had, I remember waiting a year. I think it was at least around a year for Jurassic Park to come out on VHS. Like in oh, yeah. like after it was, it was 93 that came out. Right. Yeah. Like, like yeah. And, and, and you know, like that, that turnaround time. And now it's like, you know, they just did like a re-release for Avengers Endgame. And I'm like, it's, you could pre-order it. It comes out on Blu-ray and 4k like in a month. And it, well, it's just like, you, you know, some people, it's almost like, why wait for the theater? I'm like, no, please still well, go to the I, theater. Well, See it I on have, a big screen, but... Yeah, I have very specific... So I have very very basic feelings about the Endgame re-release because, first of all, it wasn't a damn re-release. My theater... I know, I, yeah. I, I, so it was yeah. just a matter of changing they just the booking on extra stuff. to have 
that extra footage on it. That's all. Yeah, here's the, here's the thing. The extra footage, <laughs> I went and saw it. It wasn't, I know this isn't about Fight Club right now, but like yeah, it, was, it was not, uh, <laughs> it wasn't like earth shattering or anything. But here's the thing. I'd only seen it the one time and I wanted to see it in the theater one more time yeah. before it left anyway. So I was yeah. like, you know what? Even if you didn't have anything else, it was more of just an extra motivation to, okay, we'll go. And also I'm like, if other people go and it gets enough money to overthrow Avatar for the all time, then absolutely <laughs> please do that because what? But that's just yeah. me. Anyway. Um, no, that, no, but um, no, that, but yeah. And I, heck, when you brought up Jurassic Park, I saw it at a discount theater over a year after it was originally released. Yeah. So it's like, I remember that, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're, it was, you're it was just the worst. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right about that window. Um, to get back to Fight Club, though, it's like, you. not only did you talking about your first experience bring up, bring up my first experience with a movie, it's still one of my very favorite movies of all time, but mm-hmm. your experience with it, your initial impressions with it, basically point to two very popular narratives with regards to the movie. And that is the, the fact that you, you saying it's your favorite movie of all time, one of your favorite movies of all time, like, it feels like for a generation that's grown up with Fight Club and seen Fight Club, that's a very standard refrain. Now, honestly, I don't mm-hmm. believe you. Because it is no, 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 a I, I, film. It's yeah, a and, that, and that's what film. I have to defend sometimes is because it's almost like some people are like, well, that's kind of a cliche pick. I'm like, yeah. sorry, that's a personal <laughs> decision. But but yeah, yeah I, I totally, yeah, I get that. But, and also the idea that when you first saw it, you kind of misread what the point was. And I... Even myself, I'll gladly admit that it's like to a certain extent, I did too. Like, I didn't... Now, Grant, I didn't go out and beat the living shit out of my friends with it. <laughs> yeah. We had sparring that. gear. Everybody was... But yeah. But at the same time, it's like I I was... I understood what... I felt what Tyler Dern was getting at in that movie. Mm-hmm. And it's like... Yes, that's exactly it. I understood the anti-consumerism. I understood the idea that it's essentially about how it, you know, and it's funny because this and another Fox movie from earlier series got a healthy cult in it, Office Space. Both of those movies basically Mm -hmm. talk about how the evolution of corporate America has basically devalued people. Exactly. And it's like, that's basic. At its core, that's what Fight Club has going on. But Mm -hmm. like you said, it's also about this reinvention of what masculinity, this redefinition of what masculinity is. And for the most part, you start to think, you know, you you listen to what Tyler Durden says, and, you know, a broken clock is still right twice a day. And to a certain extent, you know, as... As toxic as Tyler, as the older you get, you, the more you realize just how toxic Tyler's uh, worldview is. You yeah. also, you know, there's still some points that are perfectly valid. 
Exactly. It's, it's like, it's like, you know, the narrator says, you know, like the scene where he takes the clerk out back of the convenience store and is like, you know, telling him, you know, if you're not on your way to being veterinary in six weeks, you will be dead. Raymond, you know, like whenever he, but he doesn't have bullets in the gun, that whole scene, yeah. you know, at the end, you know, narrator, narrator says you had to give it to him. It started to kind of make sense in a Tyler kind of way. And you're like, yeah. you're like, you're like, this guy is like, you're said toxic and terrible, but you're, every once in a while you're like, but fuck. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> it kind of, it kind of connects. And, and that's one of the, like, the brilliant things to me about the movie is it is such a like subtle it, it, it's okay. It's not subtle. It's definitely not a subtle movie, no. but like the way that it's like, it's telling you to look over here, but then sort of like sneaking in the back door. It's like this kind of subtly cerebral mind fuck. And I don't mean the twist, but it's like, it's really, it's really feeding you stuff that you're not thinking about because you're like, fight, fight, fight. Like, I mean, like yeah. I said, like I walked out of that movie and you're know, like, I mean, from that moment, like, you know, where it's like, you know, it, 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 may, it makes it brings up all kinds of like really profound uh, questions about, you know, uh, you know, growth and, and personal identity and, you know, relationships and masculinity and sexuality. And like, you know, like it, it, it's basically kind of a weird uh, box, a pan, like not a, maybe a Pandora's box of like, you know, like, you know, like what is your place in the world, like yeah. your own identity and this idea like, you know, he says, like, we're an entire generation of men raised by women i wonder if another woman is is really what we need and the whole thing is about it's a film about you know like men that grew up with absent fathers you know mm -hmm. like it, it's it, it's it's this idea of like you know like you know someone that grew up in a broken family and trying to find their definition of like what is a man which you know is relevant in 1999 is relevant in 2019 is always going to be relevant and i and i i'm you know not just men but like you know anyone as yeah. a human, as a person, like, you know, like, what is your place in the world? Who are you? And I think it brings up some really kind of uh, disturbingly profound questions. But like, you know, it's it's masked by like, you know, come on, like, you know, at the end, like, you know, th that first fight when Tyler stands up and like, you know, Brad Pitt is come on in the best shape of his life. And I'm like, I, all of a sudden I'm like, I want to start doing sit ups. And then yeah. like I see that I'm like, I think I want to start smoking. And I'm like, is this movie a bad influence? And I'm like, who cares? But I mean, yeah, but, but, but it's like, it makes you, it's like, it's like this weird thing that is sort of like, it's kind of, I, I don't want to say self-reflexive, but you know, it's like, it's making fun of like marketing and advertising, but the movie is almost like selling you this sort of like, like anti-hero, uh, like, uh, kind of dangerous lifestyle and like portraying it as kind of alluring and sexy, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, you know, it's like, how much can you know about yourself? If you've ever been in a fight? It's like, well, no violence is wrong, but also it's like, that's a good question. You know, if you really stop and think about it and then, you know, it's like, you know, he's like, he's like, oh, is it when they're looking at, they get on the bus and they look at the Armani ad and, you know, you see, or the Gucci ad or whatever. And you see like, you know, the underwear models there. And he's like, is that what a man's supposed to look like? And he's like, self-improvement is masturbation. Now self-destruction. And you're sort of like, is it good to hit rock bottom? And it's like, you know, of course not. But, but it's like, it's making you think about these, these things. And I like, I, I don't know, as someone that was sort of like, you know, your post adolescence, you know, uh, you know, like, you know, after, you know, going through all the confusing issues of like growing up and puberty and like, you know, like going, like graduating and then like going into college and sort of like, what do I do next? It's like that. Mm -hmm. You kind of feel like that scene. I don't know. Like I really connected with that scene where, uh, like, uh, the narrator's sitting there and Tyler's taking a bath and he's like, you know, he, he talks, he's talking about his dad and he's like, yeah. I didn't know what to do. You know? So I called up my dad. He said, <laughs> you know, after I graduated, dad, now what? I don't know. Go get a job. Okay. So now I'm 30. I call him up. Dad, now what? I don't know get married. And it's like, you know, he's sort of just like figuring out like, 
what do you do next? And like, yeah. it's, it's like, we can all kind of relate to that. And I, I, I'm going on a total tangent here, but I like, I remember there were a lot of, uh, conversations and, uh, uh, debates about that. There was sort of like a, a like a thick homoerotic thread in the film and that it was sort of like a love story between or, or something between like Tyler and the narrator. Yeah. And I'm like, first off, I, I'm not going to discount that because I definitely think that that there are, are a lot of over undertones, just whatever it's themes in the movie. But the, the point that I, that I really find intriguing and there is like, you know, looking at that and saying, yeah, it's like, it's really kind of a story about learning to love yourself because mm-hmm. that's sort of what to me, the narrator and Tyler's relationship, because again, spoiler alert, they're the same person. If you haven't seen it by now, <laughs> what, why are you listening to this? Come on. I know. But like, exactly. but, it, it, but, but it's like, you know, that, that whole thing of the narrator needed Tyler to be able to get to whatever the next stage in his life is going to be. Like he says, Marla, you know, you, to Marla, you, you met me at a very strange time in my life. And it's like, you know, you used to get those little flashes, those flash frames of where he starts to see Tyler before he actually manifests. And remember how lost he is whenever Tyler leaves him when he's like, Tyler went away, Tyler's gone. And everybody's like, you're a fucking crazy person. You're Tyler. What are you talking about? Yeah. But it's like to him, it's like this loss of this, identity of oneself and I, I i find that kind of tragically beautiful because at the end when he realizes oh the gun's not in your hand the gun's in my hand and he, he like tyler just told him i will carry you through this kicking and screaming as always and in the end you will thank me or whatever that line is and then you know he's like hey it's just you and me friends and he's like my eyes are open shoots himself and then tyler goes away and it's like he he shoots himself in the cheek you know like it comes out the jaw like the neck so it's like he survives the gunshot but when Tyler falls down, there's the open hole in the back of his head yeah. because that's what he needed. That was his intent was to kill Tyler. So, mm-hmm. of course, like the wounds are in different places, but it's because he doesn't need him anymore. Yeah. And it's sort of like you've accepted yourself. And it's like it to me, it's like this weird, dark odyssey of learning to accept who you are, flaws and all. And I, and I, 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 I really think that it's it's kind of it's kind of a love story, but it's, it's mm-hmm. this darkly beautiful story of acceptance mm-hmm. of yourself of the world around you of you know like yeah you want to rebel you want to fight you're full of teen angst and like you know nicholas cage says in the rock i'm 16 and angry at my father syndrome and all that shit and you know you're just like i, I just I, I don't want to i don't want to be a uh, a pawn like you know like this idea of like rejecting consumerism rejecting uh you know like what's being sold to you what you're told to think is cool what you're told to think is sexy and attractive what you're told of what you want to be when you grow up or like, you know, like what to, what to do in the world. And it's like, you know, like that haiku he wrote, he writes about, you know, like, you know, being a, like a worker drone bee, the queen is their slave. And I'll be like that whole bit. Like it's, it's just, I, I don't know. It's I, I, I like, I, there's so much to unpackage in the movie. Like, you know, like I, it's 20 years old at this point, which what the hell, how did that happen? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I, like, I can't tell you how many times I've seen, it. I just watched it again last night and it's like, I fell in love with it all over again. Mm-hmm. I didn't need to watch it again to be able to talk with you about it, but I was like, yeah, that's been a minute. Let me watch it again. But I was like, yeah, it's all still there and it's all feels fresh. And it's like, every mm-hmm. time feels like the first time because that movie doesn't feel 20 years old. It feels weirdly relevant today. Um, oh, yeah, I think absolutely. that it, I think, I think that it's going to. I think for audiences today catching it for the first time, I think it's going to strike a different chord because the world has definitely evolved and changed just like, you know, society, you know, society and humans and like, you know, Mark, and again, all the stuff is talking about like marketing and everything and, uh, 
consumerism and rejecting, uh, uh, I guess, like expectations. You know, it's like, okay, what, what, what's what's life? Right. Well, you wake up, you go to work, you come home, you you know have your place, you own your shit, and then you go to bed and wake up and do it again. And it's like kind of depressing the way it paints it. Which yeah. it's weird that you mentioned Office Space because. I never really thought about it, but there's sort of like an interesting correlation between those two movies. You're right. Where it's like, I mean, I would argue Fight Club's kind of a dark comedy, but you know, like oh, one's yeah, more an absolutely. overt comedy. Um, <laughs> no, so, and I, okay, I know I'm, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you're fine. No, I mean, and, and the thing is that actually leads me to a point that I was about to make to get away from specifically Fight Club in general into 1999. Uh-huh. I always, you know, I always, Actually, at the time, I always sort of linked this office space and American Beauty together because all of them mm. have similar have similar narratives about basically the men looking for ways to center themselves after they start seeing through the BS of their own world. And all three of the yeah yeah you're basically, right. They, they take themselves down these specific paths, and really, they're very self-destructive paths, but they ultimately lead themselves towards more of an inner peace. Let's, there's a lot more going on in 1999 than just those three movies doing that. The Matrix mm-hmm. movie, being John Malkovich, did it. I would um, argue Magnolia, too. Magnolia, which oh. I haven't seen in twenty years, and I yeah. I mean a, l- a little bit, like like at least this. like not all about that, but I'd, yeah. I'd say those themes are definitely in there. Well, and certainly the and certainly the uh, arc with Tom Cruise's character certainly. Yeah. Well, and and John C. Riley, you know, yeah. like his character about like you know needing to feel adequate, like you know like the whole bit where he's like find the gun, find the gun, you know, it's like it's yeah, I mean it's there's yeah that was a that was a really thick theme that year i didn't really stop <laughs> yeah, and connect and, that i mean it's it's fascinating it's it's been fascinating re-watching all of these movies and realizing holy shit this was more prevalent than i even realized in 1999 and i always mm-hmm. I, I knew it was prevalent because of the way at least those three movies dealt with it but the fact of the matter is there's so many more that dealt with you know Real seeing through artifice in our world versus what reality is, and I mean that's mm-hmm. completely a part of Fight Club because, as we've discussed, or you know, Tyler Durden is a figment of the narrator's imagination. He is mm-hmm. basically how he he is basically how the narrator wants to see himself. Yeah, he even says he's like he's like I look how you look, like you want to look. I fuck how you want to fuck. I am free in all the ways that you are not. And it's like, yeah, of course, it's like you create your own perfect version of yourself or what you want to be. Yeah. And um, this this is like, and this is one of the few movies that really, you know, it's funny because I actually had a podcast record earlier about uh, a completely unrelated movie, but it's still part of 1999, The Mummy. And I pointed out that the narration at the beginning of that movie is really over-explanatory. And it's uh-huh. like, show me, don't tell me. You know, yeah. the narration in this movie is some of the best I've ever heard. And it's oh yeah, it, 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 the it, fact that it's so much a part of the... It's so much about what's going on in the narrator's head that has to be the case. 
Yeah, you you remember you remember adaptation? Oh God! Remember? Yes, I love that. You remember? Yeah, oh, it's brilliant. But remember, <laughs> remember that whole bit where he, uh, he's sitting there in the in the writing class, and the guy's talking about, it's like, "Don't use voiceover narration. It's so lazy yes. of your character." And I and I remember thinking, I remember thinking, I don't entirely disagree with you, but Fight Club though, because <laughs> <Yes. laughs> it so well, well, so well, that and that's and that's well. hard to do. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Adaptation as well. Uh, <laughs> exactly, but you know, but I mean, I, which is kind of the fun joke because it's like, oh, well, yeah. yeah, but the movie we're watching. But I mean, but my first thought. Again, I'm sorry. Like my first thought was, yeah, the movie I'm watching, but I was like, but yeah, the Fight Club worked really well. So no, but no, you're absolutely right that this is a dark comedy, and I mean, this is this is probably my favorite Edward Norton performance, and it's definitely mm. for Brad Pitt. Like Brad yeah. Pitt is just I'm not going to fight you on that. Ridiculously funny in this movie. Oh yeah, no, their, their timing is just is just perfect man like and it's so quotable and like you know Pitt and Norton's chemistry and both of them and Helena Bottom Carter's chemistry and just like like it just works so so beautifully it's like I mean yeah it, it's perfect casting it, yeah. it really is like it like I it's like I try and picture oh well so-and-so could play the role I'm like I can't and no, you know it's like I mean you you really could not pick better actors for those no. those roles I mean and it's it's one like you, you mentioned Fincher earlier, and it's like, yeah, you have seven, you have the game, and then he comes out with this, and it's like, you I know, skipped over Alien Three, but well, we, that's mean, fine. Most, most people do, and yeah. you know, there's 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 valid reasons for that, but I mean, seven was his big breakout, and then you have mm. the game, which I think people are finally starting to come around on and see. Yeah, that that one dessert that movie is. That deserved a bigger following earlier, but I mean, yeah. but yeah, it was, it was sort of like this little sleeper gym, you know, where I was like, you know, when you see it, you're like, oh, that's great. But I'm like, yeah, it's just, it didn't connect widely like, like seven did at the time, right. but which is why everything was like from the director of seven. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, uh, no. And, and the thing is, it's like you, you mentioned, you know, you, you mentioned the homoerotic, uh, you you mentioned the homoerotic undertones that a lot of people see. Yeah, because I mean, I, I've read I've read a lot of debates on that, you know, yeah. like and I remember, and like in reviews and everything, and I, I think it actually kind of got. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I remember that that was that was something that people picked up on a lot, and I I, I think kind of actually championed it for. I could be wrong. I remember I remember seeing some thinking that like you know it was very like you know good, and some people thinking like that it was problematic, but it was just it was it was definitely in the discussion. Yeah. And and the thing is, that's absolutely true. And that's one of the things that when I did the rewatch for this episode, um, I definitely, you know, picked up on the fact that it's like, you know, talking about beauty American beauty and office space again, it's like all mm-hmm. three of those, they have female characters that are basically part of the protagonist's sort of personal salvation. So you've mm-hmm. got May Suveri for Kevin Spacey's character. You have Jennifer Aniston for Ron Livingston's character in Office Space. But it's funny because this one, you do have Tyler starting out in that role. Mm-hmm. But by the end, and we'll get we'll start to get into this, Marla takes that over. The more Oh yes, she does. And this, it's Oh, go ahead. Sorry. The more that the narrator realizes, oh shit, why the hell is you know what the sh- what the hell are we doing? Like, mm-hmm. the more he starts to question Tyler, the more he realizes it's like Tyler's Tyler's wrong about a lot of things. 
And the way Tyler's wrong about a lot of things is dangerous. And right. it's dangerous for me, it's dangerous for society in general. And that and it's when he ultimately breaks with Tyler that he starts to realize Marla is more important to him than he realizes. <laughs> yeah, which which is so interesting for I, I guess specifically from the viewer's perspective, because anytime we've seen any development, it had been Tyler, Brad Pitt, and Marla, Helen yeah. Bottom Carter. Like, you know, so then we don't really get that transition until well into the third act whenever mm-hmm. uh whenever the narrator is when tyler reveals to him that they're the same person and he's like you're fucking marley he's like well technically you're fucking marla but it's all the same to her yeah. you know and it's like that, that whole bit and then they get to and then he, the, one of his first things is to run and you know have a, like meet her at that restaurant with uh, Ed, the lead singer from Live, I was really excited about that cameo, by the way, because I was really into them back then. But uh, but they, um, whenever like you know he, tries to, he tells her she's in danger and send her on the bus, and they kind of like have that breakup, and she's like, Tyler, you're the worst thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. And then just they, you know, he sends her off. But it's like, it's like almost like having that breakup of a relationship conversation when we never really got any relationship development of those two of mm-hmm. Edward Norton and her of like, you know, the narrator. So it was, it was a weird transition for that to happen because you're right. It's like, she kind of like, you know, at first it's Tyler, you know, he's, he's the, the kind of, I guess, object of his affection because it's like, you know, he's like, I, at your, who I, I literally who he wants to be he created him. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and it, you know, again, like, I still think it's kind of about like learning to love yourself, but like, you know, it's like that transitions to this, however temporary, however permanent partner, you know, in, in Marla. And, you know, like, it's like, they're both kind of so messed up that they kind of are good for each other because yeah. they're both crazy. Well, and, and, um, and you sort of get the, impre- you, you know, you can probably get the impression that chances are they're not going to last for a lot of reasons. Um, sure. But yeah, by the end of but the movie. But it doesn't matter. No, yeah, because by the end of the movie, Marla really is what the narrator needs. And it's like, exactly. Even if, even if it doesn't go beyond the end of the movie, at least by the end of, by that final shot, like he, he realizes he's been, he's been searching for the wrong thing. Right. He's been thinking about the wrong things in the wrong way. Yeah. And, and it's so, I love that you specifically mentioned the final shot because like I, I re-realized last night that that final the final shot of the film is hands down one of my favorite final shots in all of cinema history. Like, you know, just the, the two of them saying they're slowly turning their heads to one another, holding hands perfectly spaced apart. It's just like, just such meticulous composition and direction of like, you know, the timing there with the buildings exploding in the background. Yeah. And it's not great. Not just because it has the audacity to show a giant dick as the last frame before you know we roll the credits, <laughs> which at the same time, you're sort of like, uh, and it's like, Tyler's not really gone. He edited the film, like self-reflexive humor. Good yeah. job. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but, 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 uh, but, but that shot's so beautiful. Cause it's these two broken souls literally standing on the edge of the world, watching the collapse <laughs> of society. And I'm like, how epic and just tragically beautiful is that? I don't give a fuck if they last. It doesn't matter because yeah. it's, they're perfect for each other in that moment. Right. And it's so it's, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. They're, they're damaged. They're broken. They're, they're not good people, but it's like, it's, it's such, it's, it's 
ugly, but it's such a beautiful moment. Mm-hmm. Like, like I love, I love, I love that shot. Not just because of like visually how great that shot is, but just that moment for those characters. And that's the final note set perfectly to where is my mind. And it's yeah. like, it's it, it, everything about the ending of that movie gives me chills thinking about it. Oh yeah. And, and the fact of the matter is, it's like, ultimately that is what, you know, I mean, I, that is ultimately what's important is living in the moment as opposed to trying to live, you know, trying to, I mean, obviously trying to create a future, trying to build a future for yourself is important, but not at the expense of the moment. And that is exactly like, there's so much psychological uh, study that you can really do with this. Like the chemical burn scene, there's real insight there in terms of, how to get through trauma and pain. Mm-hmm. You know, arguably there's more than the support groups at the beginning of the film where the narrator meets Marla. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's one of those <clears throat> things where it's like, you see him, it is, it is uh, the narrator's trip towards rock bottom. And, you know, you, you start to see, and it's after the car accident that he really starts to, even though he feels like he's started this sort of rebirth towards his new self before this, it's after the car accident where Tyler's just gone. Like, you don't see Tyler again until mm-hmm. the narrator has figured out what's going on. And and how heartbreaking is that? Like, did you feel that too? Like oh, that, yeah. that moment where like he's abandoned by Tyler, like there's that line of like, you know, like my father, my father left me, Tyler left me. And it's just, it's just sort of like, yeah, you're just back to being lost in the world, man. Because like he was getting jealous of like, it's weird. Cause he was <laughs> going down a different rabbit hole. He's so jealous of all the attention that Tyler's getting like from angel face, Jared Leto and like all the other project yeah. mayhem characters and everything. But it's like, it's like you're jealous of a different version of yourself. And it's like, and that makes him sad. You know, it's like, it, it's, it's weird. I mean, cause it's like, he's like, he just keeps getting lost inside himself. And like, I think anybody that's really struggled ever with like depression or anxiety, it's like, if you can watch that movie and not connect on some level, I don't understand that. Oh yeah. Personally. I, mean, I, I, I definitely, I definitely still feel that. I mean, yeah. you know, it's like, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I am somebody who's, struggled with depression and anxiety. It's like I, you know, and I've been I've been really starting to deal with it for a decade. And it's like I I know that and I know that for me personally, when I you know, I had those instances too where I was I felt like I was getting better. I felt like I was getting better. And then for some reason and then an even harder rock bottom hit. You know, I mm-hmm. thought I had already hit rock bottom and, you know, I was creeping myself back up and then all of a sudden the bomb drops out again and it's even worse. Right. And so, yeah, I've definitely been there. And it's like you, you see that you see that arc in the narrator where it's like once he first meets Tyler, it's like he, his, his view on life starts to change so his view on himself starts to change he starts to think okay i can be more independent than i really am right now and i'm doing well i'm doing well but yeah real what he doesn't realize is it's kind of a placebo because it's exactly going to help you to a certain extent before the bomb drops out again 
Right. And, 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 you know, th- thinking a little bit more about that, because like that was one of the big themes to me that stuck out is like, you know, yeah, I think this thing is sort of a, a weird psychoanalysis of, you know, uh, depression and anxiety and just like, you know, like a, like a tortured mind and you know, like how it literally is just realizing that that is your brain attacking you. I mean, think, think about the first damn shot of the movie. Okay. Yeah. The movie literally <laughs> starts on, I, I, I what, what I'm going to call is like the movie starts on a panic attack. You know, like in the middle of a brain with this moment of tension and panic because a gun is in his mouth. And we, you know, it's, it's that fight or flight. It's like a, this, these, this neuro, neurosis or neuro, what, okay, mental firing. I'm saying my words wrong here, but it's like, you know, his synapses are just like going off and you see like these electrical beams going down, like, you know, and then it, it just pulls out of a pore and you see the sweat and all of a sudden you realize, oh, there's a gun in this character's mouth. And it's like, that is your starting point for the story. Yeah. It's not about starting at the end. It's about starting at that, that mental trigger, that, that, that tiny Mm -hmm. firing in the brain. And then, you know, like he's, I mean, when we meet him, he's without coming out and saying he's borderline suicidal, you know, it's like, he's so dark and lost and just going to the doctor, just please, I have pain. Can't you, can't you give me something? And he's like, (laughs) You want to see pain? Go and see these sports groups, and then he gets addicted to the support groups. And it's like, where does he find peace and release? In being around people that are suffering. And it's weird because he's like, if I don't say anything, people assume the worst. And you could sit here and argue all you want that it's like that's that's sick and that's preying on people that have real problems. But it's like that line hits me so hard whenever he first meets Marla when she's she's like, why do you do? It? He's like, I don't know. It's just when people think you're dying, they they really listen instead of. And she's like, instead of just waiting for their turn to talk. Yeah. And it's like finally being heard. It's like someone paying attention to you because when you're down, I mean, like everybody's, you know, who every depression and anxiety for each individual, I think is kind of unique, but there are definitely like patterns and themes. And the idea is realizing that your brain is lying to you. And yeah. this literally your brain, Tyler is lying to you the whole fucking movie. Yeah. It's like, you know, he's like <laughs> manifested incarnate there. And like, you know, just to, just to think, what like again going back to the whole like where is my place in the world and like you know what what have i what and then then you then he meets marla and then he meets he finds these support groups and then he meets tyler and it's like all of a sudden you're kind of excited and you have purpose again because it's like mm-hmm. when you're that low it's like you feel invisible it's either you're invisible or at least for me again i can only speak for me like you're invisible or like you don't want to be seen right. because it's because it's too painful you're like i please don't look at me. And it's like, you know, and that's, that's what he is. He's kind of like shrouded in his little corner in the world. And then literally his brain lying to him turns his world upside down because think about his character. When we first, mm-hmm. when we first meet him, who, who, who is the narrator? Love that he doesn't have a name. Cornelius, yeah. Rupert, whatever, you know, like <laughs> Travis, you know, like, okay, what, what is, what, what, what is he? He is a worker bee. Yeah. Not unlike Ron Livingston's character. He, he goes, <laughs> you know, into office space, he goes to work and uh, hates his job. He has insomnia and he can't sleep. So he doesn't even find peace or solace in his home. The one place that you should in your when you carve out your corner in the world, no matter how unhappy you are out there, you should be able to be happy in your home. That's your that's I guess for lack of a better way putting it like that's that's your ultimate safe space. You know, like that's your that's your place of peace. And um, and he's not he can't even get rest. So it's just like this constant like weird flux of existing for no reason meaningless and monotonous and over and over and over and it's like what what happens his sight his split personality blows up his apartment mm-hmm. because like he's obsessed you know like with the, with the ikea nesting instinct you know it's like you know he, like the way he has his apartment set up he's so meticulous it's like literally this is somebody that is 
probably extremely OCD. I'm going to go out on a limb and say probably a germaphobe and just like, you know, everything has to be neat in its right yeah. place. Blow that up all the shit. And where, where does this, uh, where does he end up with a split personality living in the biggest shithole in the world <laughs> on paper street with like the, the paper peeling off the walls. It would feels like dog shit smeared everywhere yeah. just because everything has that putrid, <laughs> sick yellow, brown color, good color grading guys, by the way. Yeah. And then, but then, but then, you know, like, like in this mattress, that's like, where was that taken from with no sheet with uh-huh. everything leaking and turning the water off and, you know, like them just sitting there and like, you know, the, with the brown water coming out, you can't even brush your teeth or like, you know, there no, <coughs> excuse me, no concept or set of sense of hygiene <laughs> at all. And that is the polar opposite of who he is as a person. It's yeah. like, he's telling that police officer, look, this is very serious. That stuff in the apartment, that wasn't just some stuff that got blown up in that apartment. That was me. You know, it's like, that is who he was. So his definition, it's like, not unlike now I'm thinking about like Kevin Spacey's character having a mental breakdown in, uh, I guess we shouldn't be talking about Kevin Spacey now, but, uh, mm-hmm. but you know, <laughs> but his character in, um, what happened with, uh, like his, like him, how he just sort of like broke down and uh and you know like had this midlife crisis and just was like fuck it you know same with office space okay now i'm really seeing a lot of threads here you're right but like (laughs) he literally literally he has this it's not a midlife crisis it's this is like a mental break literally where he splits into two like when a cell just goes into two and like you know it's, it's like he just divides and he has uh this this new life that could not be more uncomfortable for right. who he was before. So it's like, but, but, but weirdly look how comfortable he is in this new environment, which mm-hmm. is the worst place as, as someone who's like, yeah, deals with like you know, OCD and I'm an intense germaphobe. I look at that house and I'm like, I don't even want to be on that set. It's so gross to look oh, at, God, but no. it's like, that's, <laughs> but that becomes comfortable to him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, and, and Tyler is like, you don't give a shit, you know, like he, he's, he's just like, you know, eh, whatever. I, I mean, like all I could think is that scene where like, Anytime you see the bathroom, I'm like, oh, God, that's just the grossest. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like everything like in that house, I'm like, you know, yeah, it's, it's just disgusting. But but it's I think that that I mean, the, the aside from just great set design there, like just that visual of going from his uh, his apartment or his condo mm-hmm. to what he uh, what he ends up as is just such a stark contrast. And I, I, I don't know, like I, I think it's. Well, I'm a little lost in the weeds on my point, but it's like, I just, I just think coming back to like, you know, like dealing of like healing and, you know, overcoming like, uh, you know, insecurities or any kind of, uh, like mental disorder, which is what this movie is all about. It's, uh, it's really, it's really unique. Cause I, I, I've seen films deal with those themes in a lot of different ways. I can't think of another film that deals with this the way that Fight Club does. Oh God, no, no. I, I, I certainly can't think of it. Um, and, and the thing is, it's like what you're saying as far as like the, the very split personality, basically the, the narrator's trapped, the narrator's Mm -hmm. trapped and Tyler is saying him free. It's like, that's basically what happens when he blows up his apartment is that the, the what was keeping the narrator trapped in his 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 routine that was it it was a creature comfort but at the same time it was making him miserable as well all of a sudden he's he's free to do what he wants even though for him it's it's hard to see that first 
And it really, and, you know, God forbid, nobody wants to see that happen. Nobody wants, you know. Oh, no, of course. You you don't want to see that happen to yourself, but at the same time, the second you realize your your life is more free, you're more free to do something than you thought you were. That's a liberating feeling. Yeah, well, it's, it's that line. It's only after we've lost everything that we're free to do anything. I mean, like, come on. Yeah. Got to be one of the best lines I've ever heard. But like, yeah, that, that's exactly what you're talking about. Like, it's it's like once you hit bottom, it's like and that's weirdly enough. That is that is kind of one of the most important and strongest messages in the movie. It's like, you know, he's like, hey, how much can you know, he's like, come on, you know, hitting rock bottom is not a retreat. It's not a goddamn seminar. Like when they're in the car and he's like, why do you think I blew up your condo? And it's like yeah. this this whole idea of hitting bottom, hitting bottom, hitting rock bottom. It's like that's that's awful. Why would you want to hit bottom? But then you think about it, you're like. It can't get any worse. No. It only no. can get better. And there's something weirdly comforting about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tyler, don't get me wrong, is going about it in the worst, most like, and like, just, oh, absolutely. Like, like, head mainlining <laughs> towards anarchy, like the most toxic way possible. But it's, but, but, but it's not wrong. You know, it's like, it's no. like, you know, saying like, you know, well, it can't get any worse. It's like, well, don't say that. It's like, well, no, really, the idea of bottom is like, it can't. You're, you know, like, so you will survive and that that's weirdly affirming. And I think that that's yeah. something that the movie kind of like masks in a good way because it's there without being in your face. Right. And, and the fact that matter is, it's like, no, it's Tyler is Tyler is basically the textbook definition of toxic masculinity. Like absolutely. He, 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 he is the definition of toxic masculinity. But as even to the point where we kind of idolize it in a weird way because they make it cool and you're like, no, 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 no. Right. And, you know, you I certainly felt like that to a certain extent when I was younger and saw it. I certainly don't feel that way now. But like you said, there's a level of truth to what he's saying at its Mm -hmm. core, because it's like you really do have to you you feel like you once you feel like once you realize you have nothing to lose, once you realize there's no place further that you can go that's lower than what you where you are at now, that that should free you up to There's power in that. do whatever you want. Exactly. And, you know, maybe don't start, you know, an <laughs> underground fight club that, you know, evolves into a terrorist organization. But, you know, I guess whatever. Well, and the thing is, the funny thing is, it's like if you you talk about the the plot of the movie, um, it it's essentially how to create a cult. Like that's oh yeah, no, the, the cult it's, mentality. It's, yeah, it's, it's basically, and it's basic. Tyler's creating a cult, and he's basically yeah. they keep saying army, but yeah, it's yeah. a cult. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, and it's, and he's preaching, you know, an ideology over self. And it's like, that's when you start to realize it's like, that's when us as the audience should start to realize it's like, wait a minute, Tyler is not really, I, I think I'm not evaluating Tyler properly here. It's like, right. Okay. Not looking at this properly. So. No, totally. And you're you're verging on a topic that I kind of wanted to bring up and I'm going to do very carefully here. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, the idea of like, you know, because it is about like building a cult and the idea of like 
setting up something that is, um, you know, that like, you know, because it, it really started off like, what was it? Started off with Tyler and the narrator just fighting each other because yeah. they felt liberated by it. And then like, it was really just him beating himself up. So, yeah. But then other guys were like, wait a second. Hang on. Are you doing the parking lot? Oh, wait, can I join in? And then it kind of grows. And it sort of like, like spreads like this disease, but not really like a disease spreads because it's a need that people like, are like, yeah, nobody does this. Nobody like, hang on. This is a release that I need. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, it's like, it's like the dark version of discovering yoga or something. It's like, Oh, yeah. this makes me feel better about something in my life. But maybe that's not a good correlation, but you know, but then it's like, you know, but he eventually becomes something bigger. He's like, you know, Fight Club was the beginning. Now it's, now it's Project Mayhem. Now it's bigger. And, you know, like when he's like, you know, says they start recruiting applicants, you know, and they, everybody comes in and they start doing like, you know, destroy a piece of corporate art, start a fight. You're going to have to lose. Or, you know, they say, oh, you're now a terrorist organization giving out commands. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it evolves to something toward the end where when Tyler leaves and it's like, I just, that, I, that scene just stuck with me so much. Like after Tyler does it, like it does that fade in and out of black and he's talking about, it, and you'll see tiny figures punching corn, laying strips of venison on the abandoned superhighway. You know, his, his whole (laughs) vision of, or, you know, I I messed up the quote, but like his whole vision of the future of the world, the way he sees society's downfall, you know, which feels very like, you know, like mid planet of the apes storyline or something, but like, you know, like you've got, uh, yeah, but, uh, then the narrator comes down the next day and it's like, Tyler's gone, but project mayhem's still going they're like they're still yeah. building soap and making dynamite and all this shit and everything and he's just walking around drinking vodka just morose but it's like it's the, and then bob dies which is this huge turning point when yeah. bob gets shot and he's like you idiots you're running around in ski mask trying to blow shit up what you think was going to happen and they're like we are and he, that, that whole bit of no 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 he has a name he's my friend well we have no names no no his name is robert paulson yeah oh well i understand in death, a member of Project Mayhem has a name. His name is Robert Paulson. They start chanting it. And it's like this idea of you have kicked a snowball down the mountain that you can't stop now because it is an avalanche. And it's right. like, you know, this idea of creating something that you no longer have control, which is such an interesting theory of like, you know, someone like, you know, in this literal sense, creating a cult and it becomes something bigger than you can control. Or if you want to get, you know, thinking about our themes that we, we talked about earlier, you know, but maybe, or maybe like the idea of like their mission seemed like, this isn't what we, what we meant to do, you know? And that's what he's saying. He's like, this is not what, this is, wasn't the point. This is, this is, this is too far. This is too much. Yeah. And, but Tyler's like, no, it's not. But, you know, thinking about how your depression, it gets out of control and you can't control it anymore, which is literally, this is all kind of a byproduct of his depression and anxiety. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, Oh, this is bigger than me. I can't control it. But it's like, think about, some of the other themes that are like lightly touched on in the movie that I think tie to this, the idea of creating something. Cause like, uh, I, I was watching it with my girlfriend last night and she, uh, she pointed out something that I never thought about. Um, and it's just, it was, uh, the scene whenever he first cries, whenever he meets, uh, whenever he meets Bob and like, you know, his face is in his, uh, his chest and he pulls back and he sees like the tear streaked face, yeah. you know, like the print on her. She's yeah. like, Oh, that's like whenever, uh, I, I, sorry, I don't know my, my theology that much, but the, whenever, um, like, I guess, uh, the woman gave Jesus a, and he put it in and made a perfect imprint of his face in the right. Bible or something like right. that. And it's like, and, it, and you know, and that was right after that line when he said hung between those tits, the way you think of God's is big, you know, <laughs> and then, and then, you know, and then tie that back in to that scene you talked about, which is one of my favorite scenes. Okay. I love every scene in the film, but yeah, so it's one of my favorite scenes, but the, the, the chemical burn scene you mentioned, you know, that whole bit of, uh, yeah, there's a lot of like, you know, guided meditation and, you know, like overcoming pain, but look at that whole thing. He's like, 
He's like, you know, you have to accept that God doesn't want you. In all probability, he hates you. We are his unwanted children. And there's this whole idea of man versus God that is really thick in the film. Mm -hmm. And this, like, commentary, and I'm not even going to say, like, I fully want to commit to what it's saying, but this idea of, <laughs> of, well, uh, of, of religion, but I'm going to say more so, like, organized groups. Yeah. Whether it's, like, like a mob mentality or because let's be honest, like, you know, the, not everything done in the name of every religion has been good. So, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, like yeah, yeah. so if, and I'm not trying to get into like a whole dissection of that. But, but, but we've already in, talked about dogma in here. So I. Yeah. I, I, OK, I'm, so I'm, there you go. There, yeah, there you good. go. But, but like it, but it's but it's in the <laughs> film, you know, like it, it's talking about how, like, you know, starting something is dangerous. And to say yeah. I'm right and you're wrong is very dangerous and to be yep. like, no, 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 this is the only way. And like Tyler's like, no, this is the way. So it's almost like he becomes this like misguided prophet to him. And that's when he realizes you're wrong and I don't need you. And there's some kind of, again, like taking back ownership of oneself in that, but yeah. it's in there with like, you know, the idea of like man versus God, just as much as like man versus father. He's like, if our fathers were our models for God, you know, and our fathers leave, what does that tell you about God? And I'm like, I remember uh, seeing that and like having a conversation with some friends that were pretty religious at the time and they were like really offended by that. I'm like, that's a really interesting question though. Yeah. You know, like, you know, if, the, if, the, if that's what he's saying, I'm like, I'm not even, I'm just, I'm just saying it's an interesting question. And then like he ends up going and this, this whole cult gets created and the idea of like, or people in large groups that are organized under a singular view can be dangerous you know, for like, you know, like, you know, like having a conversation like, you know, it was like, well, I have this idea, but it's like, you know, oh, okay, great. Let's start a religion. And then all of a sudden it's like that becomes bigger and out of control. And it's like maybe somebody said, like, that's not what I meant. And that's literally what happens with Project Mayhem, you know, where like they're doing things what they think are right in the name of their 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 doctrine or whatever, you know, however you want to phrase it. But like like that, that again that could have been a movie all in itself, but okay, that yeah. coupled with every other theme we've talked about, how <laughs> is that much packed into, I think 139 minutes. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And, and the thing is, it's like all of this is pointing to the fact that this movie is so much deeper. Like if, if you're just looking at the surface, if you're just looking at the fact that it's like, Oh, Brad Pitt and Edward Norton start being the shit out of each other. Oh, but yeah. wait, Brad Pitt is not really real. And it's like, Yes, if you're just looking at the surface, this movie is kind of ugly. But if you're if you really take the time to deep down dig in it, you realize that there's so much more going on to it. And what you were what you were saying, it's like we, you know, I brought up dogma briefly. It's like it mm -hmm. goes back to what Rufus says in that movie where it's like it's much better to have an idea versus having a belief. Because you can change yes. an idea. Beliefs are a lot harder to change because people die for beliefs. People right. die for this idea that I'm right and you're wrong, like like you said. And yeah. to go back to something that you point out earlier in that, where you were saying it's like, well, the reason it spread, the reason Fight Club grew is not necessarily it. It's you know, it's because of the fact that it wasn't just because of the fact that people thought that would be fun. It's because there's something missing about those people. There's right. something missing in their lives that they feel like this can, this, this can fill that void. 
And what do people do when, when they're like that? They'll turn to, you know, maybe like a lifestyle change. It could be diet and exercise or, you know, it could be turning to a relationship for better or worse. You know, right. it could be turning to therapy, a support group. It could be turning to religion. It could, I mean, yeah. literally, and, and th- it literally like, it, like kind of all of that happens a little bit in here. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, like he doesn't try one thing. He kind of runs the gamut, but it's just like punchings for me. So, well, and the funny thing is, it's like if if you really want to go further with this, it's like this movie's basically a satire, the a scathing indictment of the self help uh, industry. Like, oh, exactly, because like it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't show any of the doctors or like the, or the, yeah. the therapists or you know or the, the workers even 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 the commentary, which I love. If you I, I mean I like all the commentaries on on the on the disc, but the the one with the uh, I think it's the one with Fincher and Norton and Pitt and then Helen Bonham Carter like call, comes in like through a conference call every once yeah. in a while. But like when they get to that first one, which is, it's heartbreaking and I hate that. But when that one guy, uh, early on, one of the early groups, he's talking about how he says the testicular cancer group and like yeah. his, he's talking about how his wife left. And then she's like, he's like, Oh, and she just finally, she always wanted a kid and she finally got one with her, with her new husband. And, you know, just thank God I'm so happy for him. And he just starts crying and you're like, so like the, I remember thinking this is like so sad, and then the the guy gets up. He's like, "I like we should all thank you. Please thank Travis for sharing with yeah. him." And then everybody cuts over, and everybody's like, "Thank you, Travis." And they're like, "I see a lot of courage here." And it's like it's almost done in like a little bit of a mocking way, and yeah. I'm just like, "Fuck, man, that, that's that's so raw and like that's just a, like a horrible feeling mm-hmm. to think about what that what that si- that brief character is going through." And then it's kind of funny. in the commentary, like they're talking about, they're like. Oh my god, the guys in, the, in this group are great, and they like you could tell that like the way that you know Fincher set it up is like it was meant to be played for comedy, right? But it's like so yeah. dark, like like <laughs> like just like grave dark. It's uh, mm-hmm. but um, but I, yeah, I mean that that like it yeah it doesn't paint any of that in a way. Like the doctor doesn't really listen to him. He's like choose some Valerian root, and you want to see real pain? Go to this group. Yeah. And it's like you know that that's almost like you know okay, man, someone's coming and telling you that they're having trouble and you just blow them off and, you know, it's... Well, basically, and and ultimately what the movie is, I, I feel like ultimately what the movie is trying to get to is that you really, ultimately, you're in control of how you, whether you start to feel better or not. It's right. ultimately up to nobody else <clears throat> but you. Like, you can, yes, you can go to these groups. You can go to doctors you can go to therapy that's and and that can be an important part of the process to be sure i i i know that from experience for the past yeah. 11 years oh, oh no 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 i yeah i'm not, I'm not like asking for help <laughs> or like you know medication or therapy i don't yeah. like i i advocate all of that absolutely oh, yeah. but it's like th- this paints it in sort of a you know <laughs> uh, yeah it's almost like uh, i but it, but it's it is it's a good thing it's like you know it's, it's really about so I, I guess you're trying to like, are you trying to say like, it's about giving the power back to yourself yes. in a sense, in a yes. sense, like, you know, like that is a tool that gets you there. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I agree with that. Completely. Oh yeah. No. And I mean, God, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to therapy for 11 years if I didn't feel like it was helping, but no, 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 no. I, I totally agree. It's basically this whole idea is that you can't rely on other people to help you feel better. You ultimately have to do it yourself. Yeah, and it's like as painful as that is, as painful as that journey is, that's all that matters. That's the part that is most important here, 
And it's like, that's basically what the narrator is going through. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, and that's, that's beautiful and like human. And, you know, to, 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 I mean, and, I mean, yeah, it's fucked up because at the end it's like, you know, Oh, he, he takes the control back, literally taking the reins back is realizing, yeah. no, the gun's in my hand. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like a heavy, it's a pretty heavy metaphor, but you know, it's oh, there, yeah. but like, but, um, yeah, man, it's like, you know, like I, I've talked, some people are like, ah, oh, the movie just like, it didn't work for me or like people like it for, I guess like I, I shouldn't be like pretentious and say like, you know, well, they like it for the wrong reasons, but you know, it's like, I know some people, I've talked to some people that like it for those reasons I, that when I first walked out and I was like, Oh, that was cool. But then, then I realized like, I just can't stop thinking about it. I'm like, the, mm-hmm. the, yeah, I mean, it was cool. And like, I loved it. And like, yeah, wait, why did we go? That's wrong. Wait, this movie's violence isn't the answer. And then I started kind of like analyzing how the movie made me feel yeah. and like, you know, realizing it's like, this thing's like a onion, man. It just, <laughs> it's like the more that you you dig into it. It's like there's so much material there, but it sort of sometimes glazes with this like slick, sexy, superficial feel of that. And, but you know, but that's exactly it's calling itself out, like you know about yeah, uh, you know, uh, like like you know the idea of like you know is that what it's supposed to be like you know like pre- by presenting this false identity of like is that what a man's supposed to be like you know is this how like I'm supposed to feel and uh, you know and I, I still kind of. I, I kind of make fun of myself to a degree because I, like I told you at the beginning on my own, like six or seven or whatever copies of it. I have a whole wall full of posters of different, like, you know, prints and variations and really yeah. like, you know, just, it's just like a fight club wall. And it's like, this movie is all about like rejecting consumerism. And yet here I am like <laughs> buying all these like product representations of it. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I know. Okay. I'm, I'm going to like creatively call that irony, but mostly it's just like, <laughs> you know, well, whatever I mean, you know well, it's like it, it wins over it, I, my love for the movie like like outweighs yeah. that completely so oh no and, um, and the thing is it's like believe me i i get that as well i mean anybody who has a favorite movie a movie that they just can't get out of their head is going to yeah. succumb to that and it's like and it's not it's not fair to say it's succumbing because of the fact that it's like you're you're genuinely giving yourself over to a certain you're giving a part of yourself over to something that you genuinely love, a yeah. piece of art that you genuinely love, and you want to, and and you want to sort of celebrate that love. And yeah, it's it's an ir- it's an irony that a movie that is to a certain extent about rejecting consumerism will inspire consumerism. But the yeah. fact of the matter is, it's like that's the nature of this particular art form. Exactly. No, and and I. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I I, I was thinking like. It is. It's so interesting to me. Like that, because very early on when we first started discussing this, we were talking about like how the movie's controversial because it does have kind of a controversial. Not just because of like the themes it brings up, but it's like it's a. I remember when it came out, like, you know, it was kind of regarded as like a little dangerous, like, yeah. you know, uh, like, you know, like it was, it's like, oh, this is this nihilistic thing that promotes anarchy and violence and like, you know, like anti-establishment. It's like, oh yeah, but there's more. But yeah. like, I remember, <laughs> I remember, uh, like coming over from college and I was, I was telling my mom, I was like, I was like, I was like, I'm in love with this movie. I think it's my favorite movie. And you know, like I, you know, it was weird because she was super strict when I was growing up and I wasn't allowed to watch anything mm-hmm. like, uh, like, you know, I, I didn't get to see like nightmare on Elm street till I was like in college or something. Cause like, you know, I had to, I had to sneak off to a friend's house to watch R rated movies. Yeah. And, um, you know, but it was kind of, she messed up sometimes because she was like, Hey, we got a, 
we, we had HBO and Cinemax, and I was working. She's like, "What are you doing? Oh, watching Basic Instinct. Don't go downstairs and watch it at 10 p.m." And I'm like, "I'm sneaking down there and watching that now." So like, it didn't completely <laughs> take. But the point is, she was really strict when I was growing up as far as movies. She's just trying to be a good mom, you know, good for her, but uh, and protecting everything. But then, uh, then later now, then once you know, I grew up, she's like, oh yeah, we'll watch anything together. So like content didn't really matter. I was like, oh, we got to watch this movie. And some people were like, you watch Fight Club with your mom? I'm like, yeah. But, but I showed it to her and she told me after, she goes, I'm not going to lie. For the first 30 minutes, I was really worried about you. This was your favorite movie, but I get it. <laughs> and because at first, at, like when it, when it starts playing, you're like, what the hell is going on? And right. it's like, right. I, but, but it was controversial for, for that, for, you know, like a, a lot of the themes that we discussed, but like, it's kind of got this weird not controversy, but like there, there's this weird kind of like stamp on it that I've noticed in the past several years. I'm not saying it's just existed in the past several years, but I've noticed it where like it's become kind of like like a joke. Like I've seen like in like a meme meme culture, you know, like I, I remember seeing this one, you know, where they do those like, you know, whatever, whatever, like a label of a person's starter packs. And then it's just a bunch of pictures and everything. And they're like, you know, like, like you know, the Midwestern country fan starter pack. And it's all like, you know, like all this stuff. But then the one they're, they're like, you know, like uh, it was like, you know, early 2000s douchebag college boy yeah. uh, starter yeah. pack. And it was like, you know, and one of them was a fight club poster on the wall. And I was right. like, Hey now, but at the same time I kind of laughed yeah. and I, I was like, I get it. But it's like, it becomes this thing. It's like, Oh, you like, you probably like fight club, don't you? And I'm like, it's, yeah, and I, I, I'm gonna bl- I'm gonna blame one person for this, and it's Fred Durst. I'm just gonna say it because I remember in college there was with some Limp Biscuit song where he was like, "I've seen Fight Club about 40 times." I'm like, "Fuck you, Fred." Anyway, um, it's like you, 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 you now 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 people are gonna make fun of it. Anyway, um, but it, it's it's a and don't forgive me for it was a long time ago for knowing the lyrics to a Limp Biscuit song. Let's just pretend I didn't admit that. Anyway. Um, <laughs> It's, but, but like, you know, it's kind of got this weird stamp of, like you said, it's like, oh, it's like when people are like, like, what's your favorite film? I'm almost like, oh, it's Fight Club. I'm like, really? I'm like, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna stand by it. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I, I love it, but it's like, I know why I love it and I, I don't care. I'm like, it, it, yeah. it when people, I am, I, I, it's something that I, I, I love to show to people. Like, I remember I was obsessed with like, you know, having friends come over, like, you gotta watch this movie. And I would just like watch them watch it just mm-hmm. to see the reaction. I'm like, do you feel the way I feel about this thing? And it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to me how, uh, it kind of has that weird stamp. I don't know where that came from. All joking aside. Um, but have you noticed that, that it kind of has that weird reputation today of like, you know, like, yeah, it's, but I'm like, it should be considered, I think like a classic, you know, Oh, absolutely. no strings attached. I mean, it is, it is to me. Yeah. No. And I, I absolutely think it, I, I absolutely think it is. I mean, I'm, I'm very curious you know, and, and the thing is, it's like as we come up to 20th anniversary of it, because it came out in October. Um, October 15th, I'm, I'm 1999. Very... <laughs> I, I can't tell you some people close to me's birthday, but I remember the day it came out. <laughs> I, so. I'm, I'm very curious to see, like, the think pieces that come out about it. And, mm-hmm. see, oh, hey, 20 years later, what is Fight Club? Eh, yeah. I have a feeling a lot of people are going to... Uh, I, I think I feel like a lot of people are just going to look at the surface of it and sort of see, but once you start to, but again, once you start to peel back the layers and stuff like that, I mean, we haven't even really talked about the filmmaking technique and the filmmaking in general about this movie, oh, no. which is some of the best so... pictures ever done. 
No, it's 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 so <laughs> amazingly precise. Like it's it's like Kubrick levels of control, man. Yeah. Like 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 every shot. And if you look at like the movement of every shot and how it cuts together, and like it's it's so like mesmerizing. Like it like it it, it is like it's it's like if you just want to watch a masterclass and craft, mm-hmm. watch that film because yeah. and it, it's like it's it's timing and it's 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 the. You know, uh, every every performance and like every little note and beat and mark and it's like it, like no scene is simple. Yeah. Not even whenever Tyler's just standing still, telling them the rules of Fight Club, the mm-hmm. way the camera moves, the the cutaways to you know like them taking their rings off and uh, you know and just like you know like first night you have to fight and then it swooshes by his head and the, yeah. like all the transition shots and then some of the most at the time innovative use of CG as transitions you know between like. Uh, between uh, locations and shots, and it's it's just it's 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 kind of overwhelming because the movie. Oh, by the way, I looked; I was right, 139 minutes. But for 139 <laughs> minutes, it doesn't stop moving. Yeah. Like like you don't really have a chance to breathe until the credits come up, and then it's like, <sighs> and you're just like, what happened? And I and I love that. Like not like as a, as a filmmaker, as a fan of film, just as the audience member, it's like it's so invigorating like i i can't i I remember reading an interview uh right before panic room came out because that was his follow-up in 2001 i think i could be wrong on that or two it was no it was one it was two was it okay i'm gonna go with you 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 know your shit anyway so it's um i remember thinking man fincher hadn't done a movie in a minute and uh that came out and i remember him saying that after how many scenes and I never really stuff and think about it, but like, you know, how many scenes and locations and it was like hundreds yeah. that fight club had. He's like, he's like, I wanted to do something that was just said in one location. And that's why like, he, like, he, like, he literally, he's like, we're in a panic room in a house the whole time. And it's like, and he couldn't even do that simple. Like no, that was, that was no. so intricate and complicated. Good Cause it's Lord, like, he's no. just so, yeah. I mean, like I, I, I could sit here and just have a several hour conversation with you just about like his filmography in general. And like how, like, like I, I worship the ground that that man walks on. I think he's a fucking genius, but like, but his, uh, it, like how, you know, think about think about the scenes. I remember in the commentary, like, and I, I pointed this out to my girlfriend last night. I was like, "Oh, they were drunk in that scene. The scene whenever, yeah. uh, you the know, they were hitting golf balls. The, the golf and, balls, yeah, yeah. And literally, that <laughs> entire scene is like two shots. I think mm-hmm. it's like this whole setup of, uh, you know, so it's like there's all these little micro scenes, or like every time Edward Norton's like at an airport or in an airport bar or a different location, it's like you just think about it, it's like. Yeah, that was that was a company move and a setup just for like, you know, what ultimately is like seven <laughs> seconds in the film. And it's like, oh, man, that had to be a grueling yeah. shoot. And, but but it's so precise <laughs> and controlled. And mm. my my God, like it's just, it's it is I, it's intimidating. It's like I don't know how you improve on that. I, I think I think Zodiac is his best film. Um, I'm not going to disagree with you. Fight Club's my Fight Club's my favorite, but I'm not going to disagree. If you if yeah. you put a gun to my head, like and say, you know, what is what is his best film? I probably would say Zodiac. Yeah, um, which Club I watched not, not recently, but uh, just yeah. recently. Yeah, no, it's man, yeah, it's 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 a powerhouse. Like, and 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 they were just all everyone on on that film was just kind of like in their prime, you know, yeah. and like and then and then there's like so many like little things. Like I was talking about how like. Uh, not to go on a total tangent here, but like, you know, like the, the, just the little things he peppers in that, you know, are like not random that are specific and controlled. Like, 
that I, you know, I would catch on repeat viewings. Like whenever he says, we're all raised on television to believe one day we'd be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. And when he says rock stars, he specifically looks at Jared Leto because of 30 seconds to Mars. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's, it's just like that, that little, like, Oh, that's, that's clever. Or yeah. I can't tell you how many times like, like I, I freaked out. It was, I, I don't know how many viewings I was in, but it was really far. And then the scene, whenever Lou comes down in the tavern, you know, and, uh, and, you know, he starts beating the shit out of Tyler and Tyler puts his hand up and tells mm-hmm. the narrator like to come back, which is literally like, I get like, it's like, it's like which personality he's like, I got this. You stay yeah. over there in the corner, but he's saying it's a shadow. And I, I counted, I think there's two shots, but it's very subtle. It, the, but the shots where you see Edward Norton, when Brad Pitt's getting hit, mm-hmm. his head's reacting to the shots. Whether if he gets if he gets hit in the chin, his head goes up. If he turn he turns to, he turns his head to the right. He's just it's just a head move and it's very subtle, but it's in the background. And it's yeah. those little things that I'm and I'm like I remember when I realized I go wait 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 and I rewind it. I'm like fuck me, are you kidding me? It's like <laughs> such it's such specific control of everything in the frame. Yeah, you know like and and Jeff Cronin with cinematography is astounding. Like you know like I was just I just wanted him and Fincher just to keep working together because like come on like every everything about that film worked and it's mm. like you've got i mean like we, we could go like scene by scene but like you know from just like the little the compositions of just the little frames and the flashes you see tyler to like you know the repeating of the idea of the power animal and then how like marla infects <laughs> that and you know and then there, there's little things that like in the dialogue even there's just like perfect like nuances in performance which you know like but you know yeah the actors maybe like a little bit of venture with like you know like you know how to how to get them to, to deliver that but it's like almost like a throwaway line not really a throwaway line but it like it kind of grazes over whenever mm-hmm. uh chloe mentions to the narrator i'm sorry whenever marla mentions to the narrator that chloe died yeah and she's like chloe died and he goes oh chloe and she goes yeah it was the smart decision on her part and we just <laughs> glaze over a suicide yeah. Of a character that was like like that whole scene where she's just talking about how she wants to get laid for the last time. Yeah. It's like it's it's kind of funny, but it's really just sad. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just you're like this person that just is like, so, you know, it's like they do it in a crude way, but it's like just really just craving human interaction mm-hmm. for the last time. And then you say like, oh, she died. And you're like, oh, she died of her, her you know, her her disease. And they're like, oh, no. Oh, she killed herself. Oh, my God. And they just move on past that. It's yeah. like there's just so many tiny details to it. And it, it is it is masterclass storytelling that like, you know, and it, like you said, people may watch it and not, you know, uh, they may like it. Uh, I guess you like, you either like it or you don't or whatever, but I was just going to phrase it this way, like it for the wrong reasons or, you know, they, they, they don't get certain things, but because it's an onion that you peel back, it's like, it definitely falls in that category of like all great art, you know, is not disposable for you to be like, I watched it once and I don't need to see it again. I'm like, no, yeah. No, no, this, this, this is the epitome of a film that demands rewatch. Not, and again, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's, and it's so surface where you, uh, so, uh, like on the surface where you think, oh, the reason to rewatch it is because now I know what the twist is and the catch season. It's like, that's the least of the reason because you're going to catch up <laughs> on all the stuff that you missed because of the twist, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, even, even now I, even, even watching it for this rewatch, I continue to, realize things about this movie i didn't realize any of the other previous times i'd seen it and it it's just such a it really is a shockingly deep experience i mean on the surface i if you're i can see why people just look at the surface and go oh my god no that's no that that's not a movie anybody needs to see 
But it's like, well, maybe you look a little bit past the surface and you'll realize it's not saying the same thing that you think it's saying. And exactly. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. I mean, in all great movies, they they don't just demand repeat viewings, they reward repeat viewings because you will right. see things in them that you didn't see before. And that's one of the great things and that's one of the great things about a movie like Fight Club where and I I have to get a plug right in for the remarkable score by the Dust Brothers. With one of oh, my absolute God, yes. favorite soundtracks of that year. Uh, yeah, of all time so for me. Good. It's brilliant. Um, and it just fits exactly perfectly with uh, with what what the film is about and how the film is about it. Yeah. And yeah, it's this is this is a movie that I mean I I do look at this movie. It's like I'm so. I'm so grateful that I was, you know, part of that first generation that saw it and just was flattened by it. And now I I continue to be flattened by it. And for reasons that I didn't even necessarily expect 20 years ago. And that's, that's one of the great things I've noticed going back to so many of these movies from 20 years ago, where it's like they hold up and they, have a degree of storytelling adventurous adventure and um just precision that you it it's it sticks with you yeah no it, it absolutely does like I mean, I, the, the more I'm thinking about it, I'm like, God, now I want to go watch it again like right now you know because it's like it's like because I know that I'm gonna be rewarded like you say catching something different and like you know yeah i i I just started thinking about i mean it's not that like i didn't realize but i'm like i never specifically tried to dissect and think about it but you were mentioning the the dust brothers score which you know like i'm a huge fan of too like i (coughs) excuse me um fincher you know like kind of came from like you know like an advertising but like a music video background you know like as 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 just directed some of the best music videos of his time and like this the the way that that score works with how he has the film you know put together you know it almost kind of sometimes plays a little bit like a music video in certain mm-hmm. segments you know like uh, it's like the scene where that you have to go out and start a fight and lose or yeah. like any of the Project Mayhem <laughs> montages or you know uh, the okay again the um, the 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 chemical burn scene and everything like like that was just. I, I don't know. Like it's it's it was this weird kind of amalgamation of or, or coming to fruition. I guess I should say of like you know uh, there were a lot of other directors at the time. I guess is what I'm trying to say where you see and you're like they tried to make the transition from you. They were a music video director to like a feature film and that style didn't work. But Fincher was like, I know when to pull that trick out of the bag right. and it worked. You know where it's like you not feel like you're watching a two and a half hour music video, but it's like every once in a while it's like it kind of has that music video sensibility, but it works so well. Um, which can be a distracting aesthetic if it's done wrong, to be honest. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, did you, do you remember when that came out on video for the first time? Like, do you remember, like, I remember being, cause I was working at Blockbuster at the time and I, I remember being just, I kind of thought it was funny, but I kind of got pissed about it because it was in every video store I went to. Do you remember what genre it was in? 
Was it action? It was an action. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, <laughs> I'll give you, I'll even give you comedy, but definitely at the very least, just do the thing that everything got thrown in drama, but to be like, when yeah. I'm like Fight Club in an action section, <laughs> that's the genre. It's like it's like you're gonna be like Warner, be like, and you know, I'm like, oh, don't get me wrong. I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, give me, yeah, I'll, I'll take a, I'll take a Point Breaker Commando any day of the week. But it's like Fight Club doesn't belong in there. No, it's like it's over. Oh, they're they're fighting. They're they're fighting. Yeah, tell them no, no, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, I remember just thinking like working at Blockbuster, and I'm like, I'm gonna move that. They're like, well, it's mandated by corporate. It has to be in this section. And I'm like, what? Have you watched this? Did anyone watch this movie? Where explain to me? Well, they're fighting. That's not an action movie. People no. are going to rent this and they're going to be expecting it and they're just going to get pissed off. And I'm going to get mad at them for getting pissed off and not liking it because it's not what they were expecting. But well, before yeah, before, just I remember uh, thinking that was really weird. Sorry, yeah. tangent. No, but. that's fine. That's fine. Uh, be, before we wrap up, uh, I I will put in a bit. I I I only have one more thing really to say about the movie before we wrap it up. Uh, okay. I as a projectionist and as somebody who's worked at a movie theater and seen the <laughs> transition from thirty five millimeter projection to digital projection, even mm-hmm. in two thousand one the projection booth was not like that and the projectors were not like that where you had to change over. Mm-hmm. And the idea that that many families would be out late at night to watch a kid's movie is complete fabrica- fabrication. So oh, I understand yeah. why it's that way for the sake of the joke, which is very funny. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you're, you're, not, you're not wrong, but that, that, was, that was very... <laughs> Very, very funny. And uh, honestly, I didn't stop to think about that just because I was kind of wrapped up in the joke. But you're totally, totally right. Um, I'd like to thank Jacob for joining me on talking about Fight Club. Our conversation actually got cut off uh, there at the end, but um, we were basically done talking about the movie anyway. Uh, But thank you very much, Jacob, for uh, joining me on what was a really great discussion on one of the most controversial films of the year. And I'm looking forward to our next discussions on a couple of 1999 films (coughs) for Go and Magnolia. So that's it for now for the Sonic Cinema podcast. Uh, Hit us up on patreon.com backslash Sonic Cinema. Uh, check out the Sonic Cinema podcast page. And <clears throat> coming up, uh, we'll have a few more discussions on 1999 movies. We'll have my annual Dragon Con Trek discussion and more. Thank you very much, and I hope you have a good day. <laughs>